0: of 107 Columbia Street with both eyes on the ghosts and goblins that are scurrying about Albany, New York today. Welcome to this edition of the Nifty practice tips. Today, we're going to be discussing six of the scary tricks that you must avoid in your practice. So with great trepidation, let's begin. Number one, the 15 day notice rules pursuant to CPL 71031A and B are strictly construed. The courts will seldom permit the people to effectively serve statement or identification notice after 15 days have elapsed from the defendant's arraignment on the indictment or in a misdemeanor case, the arraignment in the criminal court. The courts require exceptional circumstances to justify any late notice. The court of appeals made this strict interpretation of the statutes in People v. O'Doherty and People v. Mullin back in 1987 the fact that the delay in notice causes no prejudice to the defense is irrelevant where there is late notice it cannot save the in-court id with independent source the way it can do so when there is an unduly suggestive identification procedure thus if there is a failure to give any id notice the people will not only lose the out-of-court id they will also lose the in-court ID. See People v. Bernier, Board of Appeals 1989. Only by establishing that the witness's knowledge of the defendant is so significant that no procedure could be unduly suggestive will failure to give timely notice be excused. Knowledge of the ID procedure or statement by law enforcement personnel who fail to inform the DA is not an excuse for late notice when a statement or id is precluded by the motion court's ruling the people cannot appeal the ruling unless they are able to certify that they are unable to proceed to trial without that evidence take a look at cpl section 450.20 subdivision 8 and 450.50 included in the discovery given to the defense pursuant to CPL Article 240, will not save the omitted notice. See People v. Lopez, Court of Appeals decision from 1994. A statement which was neither a confession or admission may result in the right to serve late notice if the defendant testifies at trial and the testimony is at odds with the content of the statement. Take a look at People v. Reed, a First Department case from 2004. But overwhelmingly, that 15-day requirement is strictly construed by the courts. Number two, before the people announce their readiness for trial, if the court decides to adjourn the case for a period of time longer than what the people requested, that entire time period will be charged to the people for speedy trial purposes. When the people request an adjournment and the case is adjourned by the court for a longer period than requested, The number of days charged to the people is determined by whether or not we have previously answered ready. If the people have previously answered ready, then we are charged only for the time period we request. Take a look at People v. Cortez, a court of appeals decision from 1992. If, however, we have not previously announced our readiness, then the entire adjournment is charged to us unless we file a notice of readiness during the subsequent period before the next calendar date. Take a look at the Court of Appeals decisions People v. Stirrup from 1998 and People v. Smith from 1993. Number three. After deliberations have commenced, if a defendant agrees to replace a juror who is unable to continue, the required procedures found in CPL 270.35 must be strictly followed. When a deliberating juror becomes ill or conducts him or herself in a manner which requires that his or her removal is a necessity from the jury deliberations, the defendant has the choice as to whether one of the alternates may take the excused juror's place. If the defendant consents to this replacement, the procedures required to properly replace the previous juror must be adhered to strictly or there will be a reversal. In the case of People v. Page, a Court of Appeals decision from 1996, the Court made it crystal clear that the plain language of the statute and its constitutional underpinnings require strict compliance and that an oral consent by the defendant will not be considered sufficient. The Court of Appeals wrote, here, the defendant orally consented on the record to the substitution of the alternate juror after deliberations had commenced. The trial court, however, failed to obtain written and signed consent to the replacement as both CPL 270.35 and the constitutional procedure for waiving a jury trial mandate. In light of the constitutional grounding of the statutory requirement that was breached, we are compelled to reverse the conviction here, notwithstanding the defendant's oral acquiescence to the juror substitution. We note for the future that reversals of convictions as well as potential abuse of the process can be avoided by careful compliance with the explicit waiver requirements contained in the criminal procedure law and the state constitution. Also, keep this in mind when a defendant chooses to waive a jury trial. Number four, if the court fails to follow the ORAMA rules for properly responding to a note from the jury, it will result in reversal. In People v. L. Rama, Court of Appeals decision from 1991, the court identified the procedures that must be followed by the trial court in addressing notes from a deliberating jury. In subsequent decisions, the court reduced their seven-point list to the basic core responsibilities that the court must fulfill correctly. To quote, to give meaningful notice to counsel of the specific content of the juror's request in order to ensure counsel's opportunity to frame intelligent suggestions for the fairest and least prejudicial responses and to provide a meaningful response to the jury. This is from the case of People v. Kisson, a Court of Appeals decision from 2007. Failure on the part of the trial court to do this will result in a reversal, now, under certain circumstances where the defense has an opportunity to object before the court errs, the defense is required to preserve this issue for appeal. In others, it is considered a mode of proceeding error that does not require any preservation. As the court wrote in the Orama decision, the court's failure to notify counsel of the note's content, which resulted in a denial of the right to participate in the charging decision, was inherently prejudicial. Whenever you are faced with a situation where the court is failing to adhere to its core responsibilities, you must interject and prevent the court from creating a reversible error record, which is not subject to a harmless error analysis when the note relates to issues upon which the jury is deliberating. Number five, if the court does not strictly follow the order of the exercise of the juror challenges during jury selection, an error that permits the people to exercise a challenge out of order will result in a reversal if the defense use all of its peremptory challenges by the end of the jury selection process and preserves the issue. The heck is that? CPL section 270.15 lists the order in which the parties must exercise their challenges to the prospective jurors. Once you, the prosecutor, have completed your peremptory challenges and the defense begins to exercise its challenges, you cannot make any further peremptory challenges regardless of what you may have forgotten. In the case of People v. De a court of appeals decision from 1992, the people stated that they had finished exercising their peremptory challenges and the defense then commenced in exercising its challenges. During the defense challenges, the trial judge permitted the people to exercise another peremptory challenge. This resulted in a reversal by the appellate division, the which moves. was upheld. The mm, heavens, which was upheld by the court of appeals. See also People v. Alston, a court of appeals decision, which has a similar holding, addressing two cases. More recently, in People v. Hempful, a first department case from 2017, trial court permitted the people to exercise a peremptory challenge after the defense had commenced in exercising their challenges. The fact that the court gave the defense an extra challenge was no cure for this error, and the case was reversed. Number six, It is reversible error if the defense attorney allows the defendant to overrule his or her decision as to which lesser-included offense to request the court to submit. In People v. Colville, a 2012 Court of Appeals decision, the court wrote, We hold that the decision whether to seek a jury charge on lesser-included offenses is a matter of strategy and tactics, which ultimately rests on the defense counsel. At defendant Delroy Colville's trial for second-degree murder, the trial judge agreed with the defense attorney that a reasonable view of the evidence supported his request to submit the lesser-included offense of first- and second-degree manslaughter to the jury. But contrary to the defense counsel's request and repeated statements that, in his professional judgment, the lesser-included offenses should be given to the jury, the judge did not do so because the defendant objected. The jury found the defendant guilty of murder, and we now reverse and order a new trial. Be sure to see the extensive memos as well as other practice tips addressing the various issues raised in this practice tip. We'd like to thank, as always, our crack producer and scariest guy in town, Jonathan Marconi Crispino. For all of you out there, be well, be careful, and stay ready my friends.